Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Hub of Champions podcast with your host, Shukri Wright. If you're a Celtics fan, it's a great time to be a Celtics fan. Congratulations. You have made it through paradise so far. Now awaits the real test, the second half of the season, post-All-Star break. And here with me tonight is a gentleman whose work I respect, I admire, he covers the Celtics for WEI. You can check out his work at WEI.com. That is the one and only Justin Turpin who joins the pod this evening. Justin, how are you doing? How are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Thank you for the kind words, and thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk some Celtics, talk some hoops. It's been a weird couple of days with the uh, the All-Star break, but I'm excited to get back to it. Listen, weird probably doesn't even begin to adequately describe it. I mean, that's probably being a little too modest. It's been lackluster. It's been disappointing. It's been a lot of words that I think would be truly befitting to use. But I think the biggest one of all is, is that it has been rather disturbing. I'm going to use disturbing. And some people are going to wonder, like, why? Like, why, why has it been disturbing? Because... You see, the All-Star break is designed to give players a break from those who are not playing in the All-Star game. However, if you are playing in the All-Star game, it is not a break. It is a game. You're expected to perform. You're expected to perform at a high level. And something that the NBA All-Star game lacked was competition, was, was competitive nature. We witnessed a game that nearly totaled 400 points 397 points to be exact it was a game that featured both jason tatum and jalen brown so of course there's always the, the the local flavor involved in there but the problem i have is that the nba all-star game has lost as lost is lackluster it's lost it's, it's magic it's you know everything it's just lost it's touch justin after watching what we watched on sunday how do you feel about the NBA All-Star Game? Because I'm at a point where something major has to change. And I'm sorry, money should not be the motivating factor for guys wanting to play and compete at a high level in the NBA All-Star Game. Well, that's the thing. And that's the problem. So the winning team already does get paid, but it's really not True. much compared because it's only 100000 which to us is a lot, but to those guys, not quite as much. But yeah. it's there's just, I don't think there's any way to actually get them to take it seriously because they're looking at it as a break as well. It's kind of an yeah. honor thing. And I don't think that's just enough to sell them to go hard and play. I mean, that game mm -hmm. was serious for about a minute and a half. And you see it even <laughs> with the dunk contest. Like, you don't, yeah. you know, you don't see superstars anymore. That's why it was such a big deal that Jalen Brown was in it. And it's just kind of, you know, it's a long season. You play 82 games. I yeah. mean, we've already played a bunch now. I mean, there's just, you know, you're getting ready for the second half of the season and you're just kind of 
you want to take time and you want to take advantage of that, but you also don't want to turn down the opportunity to represent your team, represent yourself. I mean, it's an unbelievable honor to be an all-star. And I think yeah. one that most players strive to achieve. And I think being there is an honor and that's something they don't want to turn down. Cause if you're like, Oh, I turned down all-star break, it kind of makes you look, look bad. So they're not going to yeah. turn it down. I just don't think there's any way to fix it. Like even look at the NFL, like pro bowl, like it was never really competitive. Hell it's flag football now. So, yeah. I mean, there's just, it's an honor thing. And I just don't think there's truly any way to fix it. I think part of, part of me feels and believes that if you're going to fix it, um, and, and I, and I, and I'm mad at the fact that I'm actually, I actually agree with you. I'm not mad at you, but I just feel that this generation of players are just wired differently. This isn't like back eight years ago, 2016, like when we witnessed Kobe versus LeBron and that epic, uh, matchup in that game, this isn't to 2001 NBA all-star game. Um, like where I remember it was AI, you know, like, you know, AI and the Kimmy Mutombo and Ray Allen and, you know, like Shaquille O'Neal. Like, I mean, it was just a different generation, different breed of legends who are, who are, who are all mentioned all now in the Hall of Fame. And I just get the sense that, yeah, it's a break, but I feel like there's got to be something because if the, anything, I thought that the body language of Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, was particularly telling during the, tr the presentation. He didn't. He tried to hide it, but it's like you could tell like he was disgusted. He was annoyed. Justin, like, would you agree with that? And I, I just feel like those things are one hundred percent warranted because that was a, a topic of, of discussion on Monday morning. Yeah, I completely agree, and I don't think any anyone that watched that game and there was a lot of people that did it, it did some great ratings. I yeah. don't think anyone that watched that game would tell you that that was a good product. Because it wasn't. And if they no. tell you that, they're lying. It was simply not a good product. I mean, sure, it's fun to see these superstars just jack up shots. And I mean, I always love watching NBA players shoot. I think it's one of the coolest things. But, oh, yeah. you know, it's it, there's only so much that you, that can entertain you. And when you're watching a game, it's like that was a minute and a half in. You have a three quarter court shot. It's like that's not entertaining. Right. And mm -hmm. I just don't think there it was a good product. So I don't blame the commissioner for being upset. And you kind of look at like what he's done and like with the in-season tournament was a hit. Like you see oh, even yeah. the last couple all-star games when they kind of modified it seemed to be a little bit more of a hit. And like, I think even those past all-star games, like that format might've been a little bit more competitive and a little bit more, you know, entertaining. And I, I just, I just don't think this was a good product. And I, I think it'd be hard pressed to find somebody that, that would, that would say it was a good product. And I, and I agree with you. I don't think there's anybody out there that, 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 that would even say that. I think even, some of the biggest names in entertainment I have been critical of, of the NBA All-Star game, especially the way that it was played on Sunday night. Now, bringing it back to the Celtics, because this is, an, this is a really interesting time outside of the fact that this, is the, this has been the best team in the NBA this season so far up until this point. But it's been an interesting time for the Celtics as it pertains to both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown... We saw that he finally got the bring truck backed up last summer. He signed down that, that massive extension. Jason Tatum has been playing pretty much like at an MVP level. I, I would even go as far to say that he does have a legitimate case to be an MVP this season. 
um, given the unfortunate injury to Joel Embiid, who if he wasn't injured, I would I would say actually Joel Embiid should be the NBA MVP. But the fact that he's gone for the remainder of the regular season, I think the nod right now should go to Jason Tatum. And the comments the other day, in fact, just within the last 24 hours, where Jason Tatum basically said that he feels that he is the best player in the NBA. I, that caught my attention. Like, oh, really? I'm not questioning that Jason Tatum is not one of the best players in the NBA. That's not what that's not what got my attention. You feel that you are the best player in the NBA. I could sit here and nitpick to start off with this, with this particular topic, but I'm not going to. But Justin, will you hear Tatum say that he is the best player in the NBA right now? Try to be as objective as you can. Do you agree that Jason Tatum is the best player in the NBA? Because I can at least I can name at least two that I would put ahead of Jason Tatum in, in, in this particular discussion. I just can't, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard, hard to crown him that when he hasn't won, right? I think that's I kind agree. of a deciding factor. And that's something like and I think Tatum even admitted it that like he needs to win to be in that conversation. Someone that has one is Nikola Jokic. Steph yep. Curry's one, LeBron James is one. I mean, there's still those kind of older guys, and I'll call use that lightly. Like there's guys yeah. like Curry and LeBron that are still in the league. So you know, Jason Tatum can't ascend to the best player just yet, but I think he certainly can be. And people forget how young he is. Like he is so young. He's only like it seems like he's been in the league for a while because it's been six yeah. and a half years. But he came in. He was 20 years old. He just turned 20 when he dunked on LeBron James in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, like the dude has his signature moments. 51 against Philadelphia in game seven last year. Game six against the Milwaukee uh, before in the finals yeah. run. Game six forced the game seven. I think like he has his signature moments. He has the accolades. I think like there's no doubt he's among the top, but until he wins, I, I just don't know if you can put him in there. And he, he accepts that. And he even said in that interview that he wants to be a winner. That's how he wants to be remembered. And I truly believe that. And I think a lot of people get on him for being selfish, but that's just not the case. I think he is one of the most selfless superstars in the NBA. I think that the whole Celtics uh, roster has done a great job with that because there's a lot of talent on that team. It's not necessarily easy to take less shots, especially considering the league is just so married to the box score metrics. And now you, yes. you know it's not easy to get away from that. So I think mm -hmm. like the Celtics in general have done a great job with that. And Tatum's behind that. So um long-winded way of saying I think Tatum's in that conversation, but just not quite yet. He still needs to win one. You know what's interesting? What you just said about the NBA being so married to the box to the box um sheet metrics. I couldn't agree more because the way I feel that NBA stars are being evaluated today they are being measured by how many points are they are they averaging, how many rebounds, depending on like what what position they play, I and mean, even regardless of the other position, points, rebounds, assists, and so forth. In the last three years, we've seen the big man win the MVP, and I'm talking about Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, and last season, and deservedly so, um, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now. You look at Tatum, and, and you make such a, a, a poignant point about him being one of the selfless, most selfless um, superstars in the NBA. I, I agree where he's not selfish with the basketball. And I think almost to a fault, almost to a fault, because part of the problem that I have that I have with, with Tatum um, saying what he said, it's not because he's confident. I don't mind that at all. But rather, if you are going to be, or you're going to proclaim to be, the best player in the NBA, 
you got to have your moments where you say, you know what? It's time for me to take over. Not saying that he doesn't have this one because you alluded to it. He did have the 51-point 50, performance in Game 7 at home against the Sixers in Round 2 of the playoffs last spring. But you haven't seen that enough. And in a year where the Celtics, the expectation, I mean, which is pretty much widely known, Banner 18 or a bus, you, we need to see more of that. And I think ultimately what we're going to need to see more of from him is take over the game. Yes, you, you got a perfect sidekick in Jalen Brown. I get that. But if Jason Tatum is going to be, and as you mentioned, if he's going to be looked upon as the best player, in, uh, at least one of the upper echelon players in the NBA, you got to have those ones where you take over. You started with Steph Curry two years ago in the NBA Finals against the Celtics. You started with LeBron in his career, especially when he was when he's in Miami. You saw that. Um, I'm going yesteryear now. I, I saw that with with Kobe. I saw that with Shaq. I saw that with some of the legends in the game. I just haven't seen that with with Tatum. Is that fair in your opinion? I think it is. I think he does get too much kind of slack for like not having that. A lot of people say he doesn't have that quote killer instinct. You know, a lot of people yeah, say I've that, heard that before. He mm-hmm. And that's like one of people's biggest criticisms. Like when you look at the biggest criticism of Jason Tatum, it's that he doesn't have that killer instinct and that he's not mm-hmm. a leader, which I don't think both are necessarily true. Like, I, I don't think they're true. I think the thing is with Tatum is like, like you said, he just needs to find a way to really just take over the game. And he's shown he's beyond capable of doing so. But sometimes yeah. he doesn't necessarily do it, right? He'll try to involve his teammates a little more than maybe he should. And I think it's easy to kind of blame him for that. But when you look at the teammates he has around, like especially this season, like you have yeah. a top six, all of which, well, five of which have been all-stars. Derek White should have been an all-star. So you're looking at that. It's like they are just so talented where it's easier said than done for him to just kind of pick a spot to take over. And he's shown he can do it. It's just a matter of doing it consistently. Interestingly enough, you mentioned about the talent on this team. And I was talking about it with uh, with Tony Maserati of 98.5 The Sports Hub on, on the previous episode, which the, the listener and viewer can go ahead and listen to as well. That, that was just posted um, on Wednesday morning in which that this is the most talented team in the Tatum Brown era. I strongly believe that. And, it's, and I don't think it could be argued. You go back and you look at Going back to 2017-18, all of those teams since that season up until now, I don't think any of them had to, has had the, the talent and, dare I say, the depth that this current Celtics team currently has, including the fact that they have the best defensive backcourt in the NBA, which says something, because they didn't have that two years ago. When you look at what Drew Holiday has been able to do this season, after he was acquired on, on via the trade, alongside with Derek White, who I wasn't sure what to really expect from him, given that this was the first year that he was going to get a significant increase in minutes. But he has really blossomed. And that trade that the, that the Celtics made with the Spurs a couple of years ago, acquiring Derek White, continues to look better and better with each and every passing game. So, Justin... With the way that this team is currently constructed, do you believe that this season, with the talent that they have and what the reinforcement that they just acquired, including getting Xavier Tillman just recently, is it better 18 or a bust? 
I think for sure. I know Wick Rosbeck's not necessarily looking at that way, and rightfully mm. so. He, he said uh, back in October that it was kind of more of a six-year window, which makes sense because anytime Tatum and Brown are on your team, you're a, compen- uh, a contender yeah. for the championship. You've mm. already seen that. Tatum's been in the league for uh, six years. He's been to the Eastern Conference Finals, four of them. So anytime you have them on your roster, you're a championship contender. However, the talent they have now is going to be tough to keep because once those second apron uh, – those punishments kick in those penalties things are going to be a lot harder to keep this team together this is the best shot they've had especially look at the east i mean they have a six Mm -hmm. game lead in the eastern conference like that's unheard of this early in the season i mean obviously it's not necessarily early but like considering they have a six game lead in the eastern conference that's impressive and that's kind of unheard of so i think it has to be banner 18 or bust i mean what they did they were saying that like you go out and spend all that money like they they went all in, and Wick Grosbeck said it. He's like, we're going to go for Banner 18, or we're going to die trying. And that's yep. exactly what they've done. And I think – I just don't know how you can watch this team and be like, wow, they – like Drew Holiday and Christos Porzingis, they are the missing piece. Like, it tells it. Like, that is the missing piece. Like, the way that uh, Christos Porzingis, like, opens up their offense, Drew Holiday and Jalen mm-hmm. Brown doing a great job kind of quarterbacking that defense. It's just every move they made this offseason had just been an absolute hit, a grand slam. And Brad Stevens deserves some major credit for that. Absolutely. And I think that when you look at the way that this roster was constructed for this current team, I I want to address something here in two parts. First and foremost, looking at the moves that they made last offseason. They go out and they get a Chris Esposingas. They go out and they get Drew Holiday. They, They move on from Marcus Smart which I said at the time last summer, this was the right move to make because if you are going to take that next step, and this is no disrespect to to Marcus Smart, but if you want to take that next step, you have to move on from Marcus Smart home in more ways than one. I thought was kind of holding back on Tatum and Brown in terms of their development as leaders on this team because let's be real. The de facto um, captain on this team was Marcus Smart. He had been there the longest since the 2014 uh, NBA draft. But now, what you're seeing this season is is it is that they both have grown as leaders. But then also looking around at, at as I was going back to the moves that they made, getting um, Porzingis and, and and Drew Holiday. I think that the biggest move between the two, if I if I had to pick between which move was more impactful, Chris Aprozingas or Drew Holiday? I would say probably Drew Holiday. Really? Would you agree or disagree? I would disagree. I honestly, like, and that's no knock on Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday has been terrific in his role. But what yeah. Chris Dobbs Porzingis brings to this offense, he's completely opened up a new game for Jalen Brown. Yeah. Like, we're seeing Jalen yeah. Brown's playmaking in, years, uh, in ways we haven't seen it. Like he looks like a different player. He's playing some of the best basketball of his career. And that's a lot of credit to Christoph's Porzingis because he opens things up so much for the Celtics. His ability to screen, his ability to space the floor, punish mismatches, work in the post. I mean, he just completely changes their offense. And the post game has been a big go to for the Celtics when the threes aren't falling. And that's a big credit to Christoph's Porzingis. I think I always go back to the Detroit game when they're at home, they yeah. trailed by double digits to Detroit. How'd they get back in that game? Third quarter, just dump it to Porzingis right in the middle. He went over it. Nobody has game. an answer for him. Mm-hmm. Miami, Miami heat. They swept that season series. Why? Because they had no answers for Christoph Porzingis. The Miami heat have thrown zone at the Celtics in 
the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics yeah. haven't been able to break it. So what Brad Stevens do? He goes out and gets one of the best zone busters in the league in Kristaps Porzingis, who can score from anywhere. And like I alluded to, you know, punish those mismatches. So I think it's just like what he opens on the offensive side is just so important to the Celtics. Because I thought their defense was already good. And even last year, I thought their defense was underrated. I think a lot of people mm. harped on the offense, but their defense was good. But like even even on the defensive side, I mean, he he provides elite rim protection. He's got seventy four blocks. Like that's nothing yeah. to scoff at. And uh, he fits in the Celtics drop coverage scheme. And I just think that has been the perfect marriage uh, for both sides. I think Chris Dobbs is playing some of the best basketball mm. he's played um, because he's not necessarily a one or a two anymore. You know, he's able to kind of take that back seat. But I mean, that's no and that's no knock on Drew Holiday because that the Celtics aren't where they are without Drew holiday, right? It's both yeah. of those additions were key, but I would lean the Kristaps one was more the game changer. I've noticed that with Kristaps Porzingis that, and you mentioned that it is definitely opened things up um, for Jalen Brown, where he's playing some of the best basketball of his career. I noticed that the Celtics have looked different offensively where it's like they'll toy around. And they've done this with, 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 with some of the opponents, some of the lesser opponents, where they'll toy around and say, you know what? Let's just stop messing around. We're just gonna blow the doors off, blow, blow the doors off the of the hinges. They did that against the Brooklyn Nets. That that fifty point um blowout win was like, oh, oh wow, okay. Um, forgive me for for blasting this team for 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 playing down to this opponents. Um, <laughs> but but my goodness, but 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 no, like one thing that stood out to me in terms of Porzingis is that is that like. When I think back, and just within the last two three years, they haven't had a player that could post up, that can dominate the paint, and that could that has a lethal mid range game. And then, oh, by the way, they can shoot threes too, like a Porzingis. Step back. I mean, this is no step back threes at seven two. Step, step back insane. threes exactly. It, it it really is insane. Like it's, it's, this is no knock on Al Horford, by the way. But I was worried going into the before the season started. I said if they don't get someone that can that can either compliment Al Horford or someone that could be a, a better player than Al Horford, I think there's a weakness there that other teams in the East can potentially exploit. And so far with Porzingis, I don't see a team that's been able to really exploit any real weakness that, that the Celtics may have on the on the floor. When I look at the Knicks, they do they pose a challenge to some extent, but not really. When I look at Cleveland, do they pose a threat? Eh, not really, not so much. But when I also even look at Milwaukee, with the exception of the one game that, that, that they got completely blown out in Milwaukee, they haven't really posed much of a threat at all. So I'll ask you this, Justin. Like, do you see a team with the way that the Celtics have been have been dominant offensively and gotta give them gotta, gotta give them some love like defensively? But have you do you see a team in the East that's been able to be a suitable challenge for the Celtics in the East? I haven't. And I think like, I like how you alluded to that Milwaukee game. I think that was a scheduled loss. I mean, look at how many times yeah. they played in that week, a back to back. I mean, it sounds like a cheap cop out, but when you look at the, when you look at the circumstances of that game, it was definitely a scheduled loss and they didn't panic about it. Like, I don't think you can count out Milwaukee because there are some talent there. And I honestly like though, like when you look at the playoffs, like does Doc Rivers really scare you? And Doc Rivers is a major reason that we have that championship banner, that 2008 one, yeah. but does he really scare you in the playoffs? I don't know. Cleveland's really good defensively, but I just don't think they have enough star power. The one team I look at in the in the East is the Knicks. I think they got much better at the deadline, and I can't wait for this Saturday uh, for Celtics oh, Knicks. Yeah. This really could be 
an Eastern Conference preview. That team is good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thibodeau's an established coach. I think like people are kind of losing sight. Like after that OG trade, they really took off and people mm -hmm. weren't really talking about it because all eyes are on Milwaukee. Like, right at the beginning of the year, everyone wrote it off as Boston and Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference finals. Turning out like Milwaukee's not that good. They're not clicking. And I don't think really anyone saw that coming. Like you get you get Giannis, an established point guard. Not that Drew Holiday wasn't, but he brings a whole different presence than Drew Holiday did, obviously. And mm -hmm. you know, nobody really expected this, but New York's a team that people are kind of losing sight on. And maybe because it's like, oh, it's the Knicks. There, it, it's it's all gonna fall apart, which you know, in recent history, it's probably rightful to think that. But like, I don't think people should lose sight of this Knicks team. And this Saturday really could be a uh, Eastern Conference Finals preview. You know what's funny, Justin, on that point alone. You got me fired up now. I mean, I was ready to fire up before, but now I tweeted this out. Go check my tweets. I'm not. I'm not BSing anybody when I said that. I said this. I said after they got OJ Anunoby, the Knicks they were the team that Celtic fans should genuinely worry about, and I strongly believe that. And I'm so glad you brought this up about, about Tom Thibodeau because even when Tom Thibodeau was was with the Bulls, he was always a defensive minded coach. He's always been able to figure out defensive schemes and how to put certain players in the right positions to create to, to create matchup problems on the floor. Look at the Knicks. I mean, say what you will about the Knicks. This is not the Knicks of 20 years between 2000 to 2020. This era of New York Knicks basketball is a different era, whereas I know they have some injury concerns with Julius Randle and whatnot. But what I've seen from what Jalen Brunson has been able to do, what I've seen from what um, OG has been able to do, what I have seen, like, overall, in terms of just the overall product and how they've been able to operate has been nothing short of, of, of amazing to watch. And I think that what you're seeing with the Knicks now and the way that they play defensively, offensively, they're not just a one-man machine with, obviously, with, with, with Brunson, no. But this is a team that could that could spread the ball all, all around the floor and, and make the extra pass and so forth. I just think that this is a Knicks team that could really create problems for the Celtics, especially should they meet in like in, in the playoffs, which I think it's a real possibility. If they were to meet, let's say, in the second round or, or in the Eastern Conference Finals, this could be one hell of a series in which that. If you are a Celtics fan, that is a team that you should, in fact, take very seriously. A hundred percent. And it's funny because the league's trending in an offensive direction. Clearly, look at the all-star mm -hmm. game. There's no there's really teams don't prioritize defense as much, but the good teams do. Like when you look at it, like let's take the Miami Heat, for example, they yeah. were 26th in scoring in the regular season last year. How'd they get to the playoffs? They found enough scoring burst and they played good defense. Like look at game seven. Granted, Jason Tatum was injured on the first possession, but like the way they shut yeah. down the Celtics offense, like look at the recent championship teams, right? All mm. of them had good defensive squads. Yes. You can't win with the team that doesn't have defense. Like I, I know, like I said, the NBA is trending towards an offensive direction, but that's, it's not the case. Like defense can't be ignored. That's how the Celtics got to the finals in 2022. That's mm -hmm. how they're trying to get back this year. The defense has been the priority. And that's, that's exactly what the Knicks do. They play very good defense and they have the scores. And they only got better at the trade deadline. So that's a team I agree that you really got to look out for because they can play championship caliber basketball. If you have enough scores and you can play good defense, there you go. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of teams really struggle on the defensive side. And you know what's interesting? 
I didn't I didn't see this at first, but I gotta tell you, in terms for for the Knicks perspective of things, because this matchup as you mentioned between the Celtics and Knicks, we gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about it because this, as you mentioned, this I think this could be a playoff preview. That's how big of a matchup this is. When was the last time in this generation? And I'm being dead serious now. When was the last time in this generation that you looked at a Celtics versus Knicks matchup and say that could potentially be a playoff preview? Oh wait, it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't just, happen. It doesn't happen. Because, like I said, like I said earlier, like this, the Knicks have been kind of looked at as a joke. Yeah. That's kind of just that's the reputation that they've built. And like you said, though, since kind of the the turn of the 2020, like going in, like they've been a different team. I think Brunson's really elevated them. Thibodeau's mm-hmm. done a great job. Like that's a team to look out for. And they won a playoff series last year. Yep. And so and not some and, and also and also a couple of players that I want to touch on on the Knicks side of things. I definitely want to um point out because i do think they could potentially be um be problem makers for the celtics mitchell robinson and josh hart i think yes. those two if they get going they it could they could create problems for the celtics in t- not just in terms of like the pick and roll but as but especially on, on the interior because i look at tom Thibodeau as the, as the x factor the way that i looked at um the way, the, the way i looked at um, Eric Spolstra last Eastern Conference Finals as the guy who was going to be a major problem because of his ability to create different schemes, especially defensively against the Celtics, the same way that I'm looking at Tom Thibodeau now. So I'll ask you this. If you if you had to pick a singular matchup, whether if it's a particular player or a particular like you know style of play that you're looking forward to the most in this particular uh, matchup this weekend, what is it that you are looking out or looking forward to seeing the most? I'm looking forward to how they defend Jalen Brunson. I think he's one of the best scorers mm-hmm. in the league. And the Celtics, for the most part, have done a good job slowing down some of the league's top scorers. Look at yeah. like Dallas. Jalen Brown shut down Luka. I know he finished with a triple-double, had 30 points, but he also took like 30 shots. So you got to yeah. look at the efficiency. Like They've done a good job against some of the league's best scorers. So I'm excited to see how they do with Jalen Brunson. And I like how you mentioned Josh Hart because I feel like he really defines he the radar. Like, yeah, he does, right? Because he's not going to yeah. put up crazy numbers. And he's like like seven points, like seven rebounds. It's nothing crazy. Like he's not going to yeah. put up crazy numbers. But he kind of defines Knicks basketball, right? He's going to be pesky. Mm-hmm. He's going to be tough. He's going to annoy you. And that's what the Knicks do. So I think I'm excited to see. Like, this is going to be a good game. I wish Randall was playing. I wish we had a like, really yeah. a good look at both teams really fully healthy because this is their last matchup. But I'm excited for it. And I'm really looking forward to Jalen Brunson and how they defend him. Because like I said, they've done a good job against some of the league's top scorers. The Celtics they went out and they made they made a couple of moves um a couple of weeks ago just before the, the NBA trading deadline. Um they went out and they got Jaden Springer and they got Xavier Tillman. And interestingly enough, I brought this up to someone else on a different episode where there was one concern that I did have for the Celtics before the trip before they made these moves, and that was with Al Horford getting another year older, a little longer in the tooth. You can't depend on him the way that you did maybe a couple of years ago in in, all, in terms of giving you quality minutes on, on the floor and as well as being able to score. You need to be able to get someone that can come off the bench and that can be a dependable big guy. And I think Xavier Tillman, he he that's a I think that's a sneaky good move for the Celtics on on, on their part. 
if you have a concern for the Celtics moving forward as they get ready for what, what we all believe will be a lengthy playoff run for the Celtics, what is your number one concern? Do you think it is it is like what the bench may look like come the postseason, especially on at the center position, or do you think it is something else on, on this roster? I don't think it necessarily comes down to the roster. I think it's health. I think that's the only thing that's yeah. really everyone's going to keep an eye on. Like the roster is fine. Like the they have one of the best rosters in the league. And uh, Peyton Pritchard and Sam Hauser. I mean, they deserve a lot of credit yeah. for the way they've slid in. They Peyton Pritchard found his way out of the rotation last year. The guy was demanding a trade at the trade deadline, and they kept him and they gave him that extension, which. Uh, didn't he told me it didn't really feel like a boost of confidence, but like it looks like it did, right? He came out yeah. right away, was ready to go. He kind of had that security with the with the contract, and I think they deserve a lot of credit. They're not going to go crazy deep in the postseason, right? Because think about it, they already have a top six. You already have True. Sam Hauser and Peyton Pritchard are going to play, mm -hmm. so you're really only worrying about a third center. And Tillman's played. NBA playoff minutes. He's appeared in playoff games. And he's done a pretty good job on the defensive end. I mean, he played really well against Anthony Davis in a playoff series. So against Carl Anthony Towns as well. So mm. I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about the makeup of the roster. I think that's fine. Luke Cornett's also proven to be serviceable. Like they have enough. And yeah. I think their top six alone is enough, uh, especially when you come to the playoffs, because it's going to be a shortened rotation. So I think health is the biggest, uh, biggest, like, point of attention for the rest of this second half of the season specifically Kristaps Porzingis that's the guy everyone's worrying about yeah. and um mm -hmm. I kind of look at it like Rob Gronkowski right to kind of <laughs> cross sports you know what I mean like yeah I know what you mean time, yeah like every time the guy goes down it's like uh-oh but you know when he's healthy he's a game changer and he's the piece yeah. that really elevates you so that's how I compare him it's kind of like look at him like Rob Gronkowski and I, I love that comparison and uh, that's how I'm looking at it and as long as he's healthy then I think the sky's the limit for this team as long as they as a team can stay healthy and uh, he's obviously the focal point with that there was already a, a moment where I myself included I was holding my breath I'm like dear God please don't let this be anything serious when um Porzingis uh, rolled his ankle and was like okay there's nothing more than a sprained ankle he'll be fine and he and he turned out he, he was fine and you, you mentioned about health being such an important factor for this team um like moving forward because I strongly believe that if this team stays healthy there's very little to no reason why they should not be at least playing in the NBA finals. Even then, that's not enough. They got they need to win it all for, for goodness sakes. But in terms of potential X factors for this team, who do you think could be the potential like biggest X factor for the Celtics, especially um come the playoff time? I think my answer is easy and it's Derek White. I think he kind of flies under yeah. the radar a little bit because there's so much talent. But when you look at the clutch this year, he has been incredible. Yeah. He trails only Steph Curry for he's second most in clutch threes, trailing only Steph Curry. He has a better plus. He's the best plus minus in the league. He shot better than Dame. Like the way he's doing it in the clutch is that's kind of an X factor. And it's funny, like people don't give him enough credit for how clutch he is. Like that tip in yeah. in Game Six, like it, it, obviously Ooh, they ended yeah. up losing the series, <laughs> so people kind of people kind of lose track of it, right? And when they go back oh, to yeah. Miami, people are like, oh, remember Derek White did this thing? And, well, they they lost game seven. So it doesn't really matter. But, like, the way he's a clutch player, and I think his two-way impact is just going to go a long way for the Celtics. I mean, he's only getting better, which is the scary thing. Like, he's just kind of trending on like a, a steady pace upward. And I, I think he is your X factor. And it's kind of kind of a lame answer because obviously he's a starter, but he kind of gets – 
overlooked a little bit because of the talent on this team. And I know he's one of the, he's quickly becoming a fan favorite. Everyone was all in on his all-star campaign, but like what he does might go under the radar a little bit. And I think he is your X factor. I don't think it's a, it's a, a lame, easy way out of answer. I think in all honesty, like I think he could potentially be like the biggest X factor. I was going to say um, like a Porzingis because of his health, not because of his production, but can he stay healthy? Cause we know that he that he has a propensity of not playing more than 65 games in a season. His injury history, unfortunately, speaks for itself. That's my biggest worry. And you, you mentioned earlier about health being the biggest concern that you have. But for me, like I, I agree with you. Like I look at Prazingas, I say, can you get can we get through the regular season healthy? Okay, can we get through the postseason healthy? Especially if you're if you're playing in much more like physical matchups like throughout the postseason, that's where I'm like, okay, can you stay healthy, please? Because I like the the, the the Rob Gronkowski um like comparison because I was just like, yeah, that kind of is that kind of is the closest thing that we that you can think of in terms of um like a, a much a much um valuable player that could potentially stay healthy for a championship caliber team. But as far as the Celtics are concerned. I am looking at the head coach, Joe Mazzulla, as he continues to just get better and better and better. In your view, where has Joe Mazzulla made the biggest improvement as a head coach this season? His comfortability. I think it's easy. And that was evident from day one. And that it's not even just a media thing. Like he's more comfortable in his own skin. And I think he admitted it last year. He didn't really. He wasn't used to being the center of attention. He went from being a second row coach to being a head coach of one of the most prestigious organizations in the league. And not to mention he was 34 years old. He took yeah. over depleted staff. I mean, it's obviously like, it's disappointing. They fall down. Oh, three come back and they lose in game seven. But what he did, the job he did with that team doesn't really do doesn't get enough credit. Like he took over a depleted staff, lost Damon Stoudemire, who was one of Emay's top guys. Oh, yeah. It was Joe's top guy. They lost mm -hmm. him in March, right before the playoff run. They didn't replace him. So Joe's kind of didn't get to pick his staff, but he got to pick his own staff and did a great job with it. Bringing in Sam Cassell, Charles Lee, both of who have won a championship. Sam Cassell yeah. is a player. Charles Lee won one with the Bucks and coach Budenholzer. But like his comfortability. And I think that comes with having a off season to prepare. He was just thrown in the fire. And I think he's comfortable in relaying his own message and being his own coach. And I think that's gone a long way. Cause he's a pretty, he's a damn good coach. And I don't think people give him enough credit because they're how talented they are. I look at the upcoming matches for the Celtics coming out the all-star break. And <laughs> when I tell you, it looks low key daunting. It looks low key daunting as hell. They got the matchup on uh, tomorrow against the Bulls, but then after that, the big Saturday night matchup on ABC against the Knicks in New York at MSG. I mean, come on, it's MSG. I'm from, I'm from New York. I know there's no bigger stage in the world than New York and MSG, for God's sakes. You got the Knicks, you got the Sixers at home, and then you got the Mavericks, and then you got the Warriors, and then you got the Cavs. And then after that, you have the um, you have the Nuggets. So that's Six matchups, potential playoff matchups, right after the, the Bulls. So immediately the Suns are going to be tested in this stretch. And when you look at the schedule, you're just like, yo, okay. I mean, I know Golden State has had the problems this year. But this is a team that has had your number for a while now. 
And that's why you don't overlook this matchup, especially at home. It's a Sunday afternoon game on ABC on, on March 3rd. You don't overlook that matchup at all. But when you look at the six games after the one tomorrow against the Bulls, you look at the Knicks, Sixers, Mavericks, Warriors, War, um, sorry, the, the Cavaliers, and as well as the, the Nuggets. How do you, like, see this, this stretch of basketball going for the Celtics? both in terms of win-loss record, but as well as in terms of just quality of play as being the first big test coming out of the All-Star break. Yeah, this is a big test, and I'm going to look at more of like a big picture. Last mm-hmm. year, the Celtics came out of the trade, uh, the, the All-Star break. They held the top seed in the East for four games after that. Then they, they were struggling. They lost the top seed, never got it back. Granted, I I don't see that happening this year because they're six games ahead. Like last year is a lot more competitive. They're six games ahead. But I think it's easy to kind of stumble out of the all-star break. You get a week off, like you're kind of away, you're relaxing. And this is not an easy schedule to come back to. But I think in terms of scheduling, like the Celtics really have had some tough, tough opponents in in stretches. Like uh, back in December, they had that. They had one against the Knicks, two against the Cavs, two against the Magic. And they swept that series. And those all of those teams won the season series against the Celtics last year. A couple weeks later, they head out west. They lose to the Warriors in a game that Tatum had that pull-up three that wasn't necessarily great at the end. And he kind of he rolled his ankle earlier in that game as well. And then you respond from that loss, just annihilating opponents. You destroy the Kings, you destroy mm-hmm. the Lakers, and you run the Clippers out of the gym. Like the way they responded, like they've had some tough stretches already. And I think they've done an unbelievable job at you know, facing those challenges head on and really not dropping too many games in a row. I mean, they haven't lost back-to-back games since the second week of the season. So, I mean, the way they respond and like they, they really do. And this starts with Joe Missoula. Like they attack every day. Their goal is to win every single day. And that starts at the top of Missoula. So I think this is an important stretch and it, it's not going to be easy. I think, you know, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night against Chicago, I like their chances, but like New York's going to be difficult. Philly without Embiid will be a little interesting. I think at yeah. Dallas and Golden State's always kind of the measuring stick, right? Because that's the mm-hmm. team. It feels like they're the big brother and they beat you earlier this year. And until the Celtics can really show that they can kind of pull away and beat them, that's how everyone's going to look at it. Even last year, they went into overtime with them when they came. Golden State played here last year. It's just they haven't been able to pull away. And this Golden State team is not, you know, what we've seen in the past. Like, who would have thought Clay Thompson would be coming off the bench? Like, if you can't beat this team, you don't have to blow them out, but you should beat them. You have to beat them because that's yeah. that's your big brother right now. Like, and, and as you mentioned, that is that has been their – I would say like their Achilles heel, if you will, but it's definitely been like a pain in the ass, if you will, like in terms of teams that they have yet to be able to be, especially on a national stage, no less on national TV. Like, so interestingly enough, I got to also point this out after the game against the Bulls, the game against the Knicks is on national TV on, on ABC. The game against the Sixers is on TNT. Both games are exclusively on ABC and TNT respectively. The Mavericks game in Dallas at home against Dallas at TD Garden. That's that's on ESPN, also locally on NBC Sports Boston. The game against the Warriors that's on ABC exclusively, and then the game in Cleveland against the Cavaliers that's on TNT as well as locally on, on NBC Sports Boston. And the game against um against the Ma- not the, the Mavericks, excuse me, against the Nuggets in Denver. By the way, that's on TNT, and you're just like, okay. 
they have a lengthy stretch of games that they're getting a lot of national exposure. And for what we've seen this team been able to do this year, I think this is a pretty good test, as you put it, in terms of how good is this team really? Now you have the six-game stretch where you're getting national exposure, and on top of that, you are going to be tested heavily in terms of what what Tatum and Brown are going to be able to do offensively, obviously. But then also defensively, can you handle the likes of of a Jalen Brunson and a Josh Hart and a Mitchell Robinson against the Knicks? Can you handle a Tyrese Maxey, who I think is probably the most improved player in the NBA? Yeah, and I, and I was I saying it before Joel Embiid got injured. I agree. Also, and it, uh, you're going up against as well as Luka, not not, not Luka, no, not, not Luka Doncic. Um, you're going up You'll against see Luka uh, in that stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, 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 Luka Doncic and Kyrie. You're going up against obviously the Splash Brothers. Yo and then in Cleveland, you 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 oh, you always it's always a problem going up against um, Donovan Mitchell. So, in terms of matchups, like how do you see this, the Celtics navigating through this this tough stretch of basketball? Because, and also not to mention, you're going up against um, against um, I mean Jokic, who the dude the dude is a problem. The dude is a oh, he's, he's a massive problem for everybody, but especially against the Celtics. Yeah, when you look at it, can you just believe they have a stretch of nine out of their ten games over a course of one stretch is nationally televised? Like I'm stunned. I'm looking at it. it. That's why I had a talk. I'm like, what? Like nine of ten are nationally televised. And And by the way, how, how, Justin, real quick, how dare I forget about the matchup against the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, Katie, Katie, and as well as Devin Burker. I'm excited Man. for that one, especially <laughs> because that KD matchup always brings out the best in Tatum. So I cannot yeah. wait for that one. That's going to be a fun one. And uh, that's at TD Garden, too. That's a 7.30 on a Thursday night. So I'm looking forward to that mm. one. But I just can't believe 9 out of 10 games consecutively are going to be nationally televised. That's insane. And that speaks, oh, yeah. you know, that, that's, a, that's a privilege and that's an honor for this team. And, you know, they'll, they won't look at it like that. But, like, fans should be proud of that. Like, you, they only oh, yeah. put good teams on the national televised scale. So that's good. But, I mean, you look at it, like you mentioned the matchups. The thing, one of the best traits the Celtics have is their defensive versatility. And I think mm-hmm. that starts with your guy, Drew Holiday. I think mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier about how you thought he might have been the best uh, addition over the offseason. And in this department, yeah. he certainly is because he can guard one through five. Like he is, he is strong. He can guard. He's held his own against Giannis and Bede. Like you could throw him in different matchups, and that's what the Celtics are going to be doing. And like that's that stretch of ten games is going to be interesting to see how many different matchups they go to. Because some days it'll be Jalen uh, guarding a team's best player. Other days it'll be Drew Tatum did it against the Thunder when he clamped down on uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They're all capable of doing it, and that goes back to the defense we were talking about earlier and the defense might be overlooked a little bit which is funny because that's how they're hanging their hats this year right they want to be on the they want to succeed on the defensive end but i'm really looking forward to how they handle those matchups and how creative they get because joe missoula he he has some fun with it right in the right at the beginning of the season he had uh drew holiday covering julius randall like on the Mm. first possession of the season like you (laughs) knew right there he was going to have some fun and he has had some fun with it so i cannot wait to see what they do um, I think that's that's a fun part of basketball that people might not necessarily pay attention to as much as who's guarding who, because they're mm. 
it's a five. It's there's 10 people, people on the court. There's 10 players on the court. Everyone's got their own matchup and they have to win that own matchup. And I think that kind of gets lost in the sauce of all the threes and the dunks and all, all that good stuff. But like the matchups are, are fun to watch. And I'm really excited to see what they do over that 10 game stretch. I'm excited too, because this is now where you're entering the dog days of the season where, and I say this with all intents and purposes, where it's the last win before the playoffs. The playoffs, they're literally they're right around the corner. I mean, less than two months. Le- less than two months away. And at this point, it's about the seeding for a lot of these teams. And for the Celtics, it's more of like, okay, can they hold on to the number one seed in the East? And not just only in the East, in the NBA, and maintain that home, home court advantage, which I strongly believe is going to serve them well, I think it's huge just ha- being able to have home court advantage throughout the entirety of the NBA playoffs, including the NBA finals with the Celtics get there, will, will, will be huge because we, we have seen just how much home court has impacted this team positively, not just not just in years past, but especially this season with the way that they got, got the season started off at home. 20 so, straight? Yeah. like So, I, so I'll, I'll ask you this. Like, come the playoffs – how I mean, we we all we we know how Boston is. We know how how special it is at at, at the Garden while watching the Celtics at home, especially when it's a big game. But especially in a year where this there is so much expectation on this team, how critical is it going to be for this team to lock down the number one seed, not just on the East, but also get home court advantage in the NBA throughout the NBA playoffs? Yeah, I think it's super important, especially considering the lead they have now, because something would have to go drastically yeah. wrong for them not to get it, considering they're six games ahead. All they have to do is go like it, it's they they can go barely 500 and they'll still get the East seed, the East number one seed. So I think it's important, especially yeah. when you consider they're 23 and three at home. They've been borderline unstoppable, but I'm going to look at it from a different lens here. Sure. This team really feeds off different kind of adversities they've had, right? They try to learn from them. They hear the noise and they use that as motivation. One of the biggest criticisms of the Celtics last year and Joe Missoula was they couldn't win at home in the playoffs. Yep. That's the thing that's going to kind of light a fire under them, right? They're going to be like, okay, you know, we struggled with this last year. This is something we have to be better at. And they'll make it a point because that's how they, that's how they operate. They're trying to win every game. They're trying to, be as proficient as they can be and every team is but i think their daily mindset and you hear joe mazula talk about it all the time mindset 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 i think it comes down to that daily approach and they don't forget like they're not naive they struggled in the postseason at home last year there's no beating around the bush like some of those theories went further than they should have because you struggled at home because you couldn't close them out at home game five against the hawks no reason you shouldn't should have lost that game right uh games against philly and then you look at um, Miami, you lose the first two. So I think they know they struggled at home and that's going to be, uh, that's going to be something that it's going to light a fire under them. I think. Absolutely. And I think, I think in a way it's going to give them that additional prove it factor because like the way that they struggled last on last year at home, like at, at various different points of, of, of their playoff run. So I'm curious to see like how, like how they will be able to carry the regular season success at home into the postseason um, and, and how that all plays out um, as well. So last question in terms of the Celtics moving forward, as we, as we talked about the schedule coming out of the break, 
I mean, they literally have an entire gauntlet of national televised games coming up in, in premium uh, matchups coming up, which I cannot wait to watch. But I'm curious to see Jason Tatum because I think all eyes are going to be on him. Not saying that eyes won't be on the team as a whole, but I'm talking about specifically Jason Tatum because if you look around the league right now, and this is no disrespect to Nikola Jokic, just no disrespect to Luka Doncic, this is no disrespect to, to, to Jalen Brunson, there's no disrespect to any other potential NBA MVP candidates that are out there. But it does seem like this is Tatum's award to potentially lose. Do you think that this in itself is one of, if not, the biggest storyline surrounding the Celtics um, in in this post-All-Star break portion of the regular season? It is. And it's funny how it kind of just took off, right? Nobody's really yeah. talking about it. Like I think obviously Embiid being ineligible changed things, but like nobody's yeah. really talking about it. And then he had that like seven game stretch where he was just phenomenal on both ends of the floor playing. Like we really never seen him playing and making like, just an unbelievable playmaker, like things we haven't seen really from Jason Tatum. And he's been solid all year. I think you look at it, like the numbers are naturally going to decline. And like we talked about earlier, sometimes like he's not in that, so you got to pick your spots. Like it's not oh, yeah. always going to be a good thing to be unselfish. Like he's been a lot, very unselfish. And I think it, it's reflected on his numbers, but like, it's funny how this kind of just took off and it's going to be a big story going forward. Remember right around when Marcus smart won defense player of the year, that campaign yeah. really took off at the all-star break. Mm-hmm. And then the media got behind it and look what happened. And I think being the best player on the best team has to be some sort of, it has to put you it has to get you points, right? It has yeah. to get like that has to be looked at. You are the best player on the best team and you are the leader of that team and you, the numbers back it up. I mean, the one thing that there's two things that Tatum is missing on his resume, an MVP and a championship. And there's a good chance that he gets both this year. Yeah. And it, it really would be something because you, you now talk about um, players to have done that in the history of the Boston Celtics organization to have won MVP and as well as championship. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the the late legendary Bill Russell's name comes to mind uh, as as being part of that very short list of uh, of Celtic players who to have done that. And I know for sure this would absolutely mean something for for Tatum that that has certainly um, been very uh, very cognizant and aware of of his place and as well as the significance of Celtics history. Uh, most 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 notably by him meeting um, Larry Bird for the first time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I I love how they finally met. It is funny that it yeah. took that long, but, like, yeah. I think that's just Larry's demeanor. Like, I think he's just kind of enjoying retirement. But, like, as a Celtics fan, how does that not put a smile on your face? It did. Like, those oh, are, yeah. yeah, like, that is that is amazing. And I'm so, so glad that happened. And you could tell Tatum was genuinely shocked. Like, he was, he was like, it's an honor. And this is a guy that, like, Meets a lot of people, right? Especially yeah. at the All Star Weekend, and the way he, the way he reacted, you could tell he was genuinely excited and genuinely happy. I'm just, I'm so glad that happened. Uh, same here. I'm, I'm happy that it happened, but I was critical of the fact that why did it take this long? But I, but I understand why. But I still feel the way that I do. It got scattered yeah. to do with you or anybody else. But it's like, really, we waited a, a number of years to finally before it finally happened. But it finally happened. I'm happy that it finally happened. Hopefully we'll see more Larry Bird around, especially for this postseason run. Should they get to the finals? Hopefully, 
we'll see what happens. But with that being said, I want to say thank you, Justin, for hopping on the Hub of Champions podcast on Believe Network. Justin has been a blast. Justin Turpin of WEEI. Check out his terrific substance coverage on WEI.com, especially as New England and Celtics fans get ready for what what will be Banner 18 come June. So, Justin, thank you so much for hopping on, man. We will. I certainly want to have you back on, especially as we are as we in the regular season get ready to look ahead to the playoffs as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast, and I'm hopefully I'll be back soon. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.